Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a great episode for you today. It is with improviser and instructor, new instructor, David Richmond. But first, just let's chat for a second. I feel like we never talk anymore. <laughs> no, but uh, I, my, my team... My sweethearts from The Magnet are performing for the first time live on stage in well over a year now, uh, since March, I guess March 11th was our last show in 2020 on stage. And we are coming back this Friday, and I have no idea if tickets are available, but you can go to magnettheater.com and find out. And I'm very excited about it, but I got to be honest with you, it's a little nerve-wracking. All of this going on right now, I feel like this last 15, 16 months has is, is really caught up with me. And getting back out in the world, like I, I have this feeling of, ah, it's good to be back out. But then also there's an anxiety that comes with it. And I think there's an aftermath of anxiety and depression or something that's also coming with it. That's super weird that I, I don't know what that is. Does anyone else experience that? Are you experiencing that where this last 15 months is making it hard for you to just enjoy that things are back? I don't know what it is. It's strange, but it's what's going on with me. And I'm very happy that I'm going to be performing with my pals again and uh, seeing all of them, or most of them are going to be at the show. So uh, I'm I'm very happy about that, but it's just, I guess you, there's like an ennui or something about what's also just dealing with everything that's happened. I, I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't want anyone else to be experiencing it, but I can't imagine I'm the only one experiencing this weirdness. I've got no answers. I've got no answers. But if you have some, please share them with us. <laughs> you can email us. Uh, you can go to thereitispod.com and, and contact us. Well, let's get on to today's episode. I had a really great chat with David Richmond. He is in the Baltimore area. You've probably seen him at Big. You've seen him at Bird City maybe seen him at Wit, and uh, he's great. And we had a really interesting chat about what even made him want to get into improv. I thought that was a very interesting in on that. And we also talk about him being on the spectrum and how that relates to how he does improv and how improv impacts him. It's a very great, thoughtful conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Here's my chat with David Richmond. So you're in Baltimore now, but where are you originally from? Well, I'm, I grew up in the Gaithersburg, Germantown area of Maryland. It's about 45 minutes northwest of downtown D.C., 50 minutes maybe. Um, it's suburbs, exurbs. When I was younger, it was less built up, but 
Yeah. Now it's gotten developed uh, because DC has just grown it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, um, when I started in improv, I was finishing up my last semester at University of Maryland College Park okay. as an English major. And I did a lot with broadcasting. And I um, also was uh, living with my family in like Gaithersburg area. Um, I don't know if you've been there. It's, it's not that exciting. I have not been to Gaithersburg. Uh, I've heard of it. Uh, oh, really? I think so. I have some family in that area, and I think recently when we were uh, we were driving back up to New York from South Carolina, and we wanted to stop in some fun places, and I I was just kind of looking at Virginia and Maryland, and I I think I saw maybe something about it then. Um, have you heard of Dogfish Head Alehouse or the? Or, or the ale? Head, brew, yeah, Dogfish Head is my favorite brewery. Well, it's uh, come to Gaithersburg. We'll get a beer sometime because it's uh, it's right near my parents. Okay, um, it's like maybe biking that's distance. Why I've heard of it because uh, and there's one in Rehoboth. Okay, uh, I've only uh, I've been to both. There's a uh, someone who's like I don't even drink, like a, but I just like camaraderie. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody's like my little sister worked at at uh, Dogfish Head, so oh, cool. that might be why I've heard of it. Uh, that town. Um, well, cool, very cool. So you started doing improv in two thousand four because fourteen, doing... fourteen. That's what I'm, I'm not that. Say. <laughs> no, that no, would make I... me so much better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I'd be know like deserving to be. I was even looking at two thousand fourteen. And do you ever sometimes when you're like you're looking at a word and you process it differently and you say the yeah. say the wrong thing? I that's what I just did. I started about seven and a half years ago ish, uh-huh. a little over seven and a quarter. So I started in February of 2014 at Washington mm-hmm. Improv Theater. Yeah. I'm actually uh, I went to Wits opening night because DC and Baltimore are close, and I like being part of both scenes. So I went to their yeah. opening yeah. night. It was like seriously the most positive, fun thing experience i've had in like a year and a half of life <laughs> i was gonna say improv but honestly of life i'm wow. i'm going to big and wit tonight after this um oh, cool for jams i try to just keep i'm i'm like du- i'm not totally done with zoom prob but if i can prioritize in person at this point i'm kind of ready yeah no i got there a month or so ago where i was i loved seeing my teammates but i was I was very tired of the lack of what you can do. It was a very limiting um, platform for doing improv for me because I just like to use my body too much. Even if it's just how I'm expressing something, I- I'm not like this big character person But uh, when-, when I perform improv, but I just like, I like being on a stage to perform. I um I will say Zoom Prov is good for me for a lot of the pandemic with where my energy level was. Mm-hmm. I've in the past month or two I've like built up stamina for some reason mm-hmm. for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. I think readjusting to seeing people again slash maybe losing weight. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of big, <laughs> but just in general, I feel more energy, so I'm kind of ready for in person. In a way yeah, that I maybe I think, wasn't like three months ago. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a weird time that I'm not going to fully be able to process for a little bit. Because while I've wanted to get back 
into the swing of things, I also know how slow that needs to go for me because <laughs> I don't need to go back to like doing stuff most nights a week. Like a, a three nights a week is kind of my max and I'm zonked of energy. Um, but uh, I was asked, I was wondering about your starting improv because you said on another podcast that you did it because you were working on a podcast. You oh, I appreciate podcast. you listening. Oh, for sure. Yes, I was, um, I was doing broadcasting stuff and I wanted to be better on the air. And like okay. better so improvising in that context. On that, you were saying that it was you were doing a podcast. So I was like, was it like a comedy bang bang style podcast where you uh, like comedy, or is it just? It was really weird skills? comedy. Okay, I don't even know if it's still online. It was called Ezekiel Von Podcast. To call it like comedy bang bang is an insult to comedy bang bang. But <laughs> it was, it was like, um, really weird, absurd bits. Without a lot of comedy training experience, just like being a comedy fan. But then I started taking classes and hopefully I got better on other. We didn't do too many episodes, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's not around anymore. But um, what else did you want to get from doing improv for your broadcasting? I, 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 you know, I felt like I was a connoisseur, an appreciator of things that. I couldn't necessarily contribute to greatly. Mm. For example, as you may have heard, I'm a big music nerd. Yeah. But I don't no, make I it that. myself. Um, I can sing, actually, and that works for musical improv. But I don't play an instrument at this time. And uh, I can, like, listen to music and be a gigantic dork about it. And, and when I say, like, that was my first Ask Me Passion, like, and it still is pretty bad. Uh, I was just, I told you I was on vacation recently. Mm -hmm. And I was in New England and I, I got um, 50 CDs and my dad kind of said, that's overspending. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're all in my car because I drive, I drive a lot, especially driving to Baltimore, D.C. Well, I'm in Baltimore, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I drive around a lot. So it actually kind of works. I have a lot of driving time. So I think I'll get to listen to all of them. I'm not just buying them just to have them and like never listen. Right. I would be more like that with books, but I, I do everything else digitally. <laughs> Everyone's like that with books. I'm pretty minimalist. Uh, my room looks like boring shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, um, with CDs in my car, it's just something I can do. I also do Spotify and stuff, but... Mm -hmm. um, I prefer the physical CDs as well. I like having physical copies. It depends. Um. If but, I want the album, then I want it. I want a physical thing. I don't want to download well, an album. I don't, my I don't parents have a record player, way. but I don't live with them. So I have, for example, I got Elvis. Are you a music fan? I love music. And you mentioned in that podcast that you listen to U2 a lot. Uh, I listen to Elvis Costello and XTC. And I got their stuff. Oh, yeah. On, um, on, I already had Elvis and XTC on record and tape, but I, have, I don't have a personal record and tape player. So right, I needed it on right. CD. And these are like nostalgic albums. But mostly I got stuff I hadn't really heard before. But um, right. yeah, right. basically, I felt like I was an appreciator in, of comedy podcasts and alternative comedy. And like, I would watch Mr. Show over and over again. Mm -hmm. So like, writery comedic mind was in there somewhere. So when it comes to, because I'm, I'm, 
I was in radio for a bit, and uh, yeah, you have the voice. Thanks. I can spot and, you guys. I can uh, spot us guys, but I'm not really guys. doing it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in radio anymore. I just I do this podcast, but uh, I do want to talk about how improv maybe benefited your broadcasting at that time. Be was it to like be quick on your feet to sort of accept ideas? Yeah, actually, there was a point where I was doing my radio show where mm-hmm. I really wanted to. And and I think this coincided with me partially. I used to do the old uh, play obscure music I love to people in random and just talk about tracks. Mm-hmm. But then I got this hunger to interview artists in the in the area. A couple people from out of the area, uh, uh, all different types of artists. Mm-hmm. Everybody from musicians and actors to balloon artists, for example. Yeah. <laughs> And um, essentially, it was like, I just wanted to be better at talking for a longer time because I wasn't really, I had a lot of music playing in my early shows and I realized I wanted to like explore actually not just curating. I mean, I did still curate a playlist on the show, but I tried to also talk for an extended period um and it was a really fun learning experience and i've done i've done some podcasts um since as well uh in the past couple of years so i've tried to keep that going right now i'm kind of not i mean outside of guesting on them sometimes i don't have my own podcast at the moment mm-hmm. uh, i feel pretty comfortable doing one at this point I would say, though, my skills are more in being on the air than the tech side. Um, so I'm sort of useless as, like, <laughs> starting my own thing because I need the tech help. Mm-hmm. I'll talk. Yeah. Give me the mic, and I'll not shut up. But beyond that, I'm kind of useless. A couple minutes ago, you, you used the term Aspie passion. Uh, yes, I did. reference to Asperger? It's a colloquial, I, yes. Okay. And I should stop using it because it's a colloquialism that not everyone knows. Um, so, yeah, one reason I, I talked about coming on was because I feel like, uh, for one, there aren't a ton of us, a ton of people on the autistic spectrum doing improv, but our, our perspective is not really heard a lot um, on how we play mm-hmm. and and how we learn and also how some of the difficult the challenges i would say uh can affect us getting involved in improv and the community that surrounds it um i've had to really work on a lot to get where i'm not saying i'm like top shit or anything by any means but to get where i am today with teaching and being an active part of both scenes i've had to like really work hard at consciously at stuff and to get I think I'm I'm pretty proud of where I'm at improv wise now. I wasn't always, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of things I'd have I'd ha- I had to think more about than other people. Yeah, I mean it's the whole fact that it's referred to as a spectrum shows that there are different places people can be, and and uh, there's a lot of a per- lot of different perspectives within that spectrum. Yes, um, obviously. The term is confusing now. The DSM-4 changed it. 
Mm-hmm. Technically, Asperger's doesn't exist right now, but mm. I was thinking about it. I have, I think it's good to differentiate between different types because mm-hmm. someone, someone with really low functioning autism probably wouldn't be able to do improv for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think generally higher functioning people can, and I don't even that high functioning, low functioning dichotomy is honestly weird for me because. There's some areas where I can excel and others where I still struggle a lot. That's an interesting perspective. And there are a few different angles to talk about with that. I mean, obviously, there are things that everyone uh, will have to focus on more than maybe other people would. But that means something different for you. I, I, would say. I also wonder if my improv started off a certain way and has evolved because I started off hyper watching sketches mm-hmm. and getting very game oriented just mm-hmm. naturally and i think that's the way my brain works right but now i feel like i'm pliable and can play with whoever and do whatever but that's i felt like i'm unlike most people i actually started off more gamey and am now more whatever like let's mm-hmm. do what i don't care i just yeah. want to play And that was one of the things I was wondering about because you were referring to doing improv so that you could talk for longer in your broadcast work. And I was wondering if you felt that maybe because of your being on the spectrum that that was maybe why you weren't talking more. No. Stuff you were doing. No, I'm not. um, That's kind of a, and I'm not knocking you. This is just general. I'm not. uh, There's so many different types of ways of being on the spectrum. I've actually right. always been very extroverted and gregarious. Okay. My yeah. thing is, if anything, I feed off people's energy more than normal. I'm okay. I'm atypical. Okay. I'm not like a mousy science tech math. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. <laughs> Re- uh, Rain <laughs> Man has really made a lot of people I mean, think yeah. that that's all that autism is, and that is so not accurate. You know, like that's. I mean, can I? Can I tip pretty easily? Yes, but that's just a bonus. <laughs> I'm not even got, I, I actually struggled with math growing up, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> so when you talk about how you you have become pliable with your improv, and you're wondering how much uh, how your improv has grown in regard to so. your autism, uh, what have you noticed that's maybe benefited? your life or benefited your improv uh, in regards to being on the spectrum? Well, for one, I think one thing that makes me a good teacher right now, starting out at least, is that I've actually struggled a lot. I didn't come in with natural theater skills or any of that shit. Um, Like, I sometimes see people that are naturally have it very early and I'm like, that's great, but I don't relate to that. I have, I feel like I've had to work on all the performing aspect um, a lot. And I think I'm good now, but I think it's been like a pretty long trip. Mm. Uh, But when I teach and I'm telling people to not just do talking head scenes, I'm not like judging because that was my beginning of improv. But so many people at their beginning of improv are just talking head scenes. Um, and I'm sure I still occasionally do it. I don't think oh, I'm perfect. Yeah. 
For sure, we all do. Especially <laughs> on Zoom, we're all kind of doing it to a degree. Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm wondering how much uh, my first stage show is going to be uh, doing improv is going to be July 2nd. And I'm curious how that's going to play. I'm curious if that's going to be, uh, if, there, if, if I'm going to be like still for longer than I normally would have been. Um, or if I'm going to go and just, just blow up in some way that I never would before where I'm, I will say I have one difficulty. I developed planner for Shia and my foot over the pandemic. So I'm trying to work on getting that better. So I'm not as, I mean, I'm probably being overly physical than I should be for what I have, but I'm not a, I'm not a football tackle at the moment. I'm off the field. The Dallas Cowboys aren't going to take me. So. (laughs) I know from uh, what you were saying, in a couple of places, there's uh, a, a couple of places I've read that you fell in love with improv, uh, and you alluded to that when you saw that first show at the Wit. And I'm yeah, it wasn't actually the show was amazing, but the GM afterwards blew oh, my mind really because oh okay, How so? because oh well, first of all, you know I grew up forty five. Just a general background. I grew up in the suburbs, exurbs of DC. So that seems cool, but it's not actually DC. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're from there, you're like, oh yeah, DC is just like the capital of the US, whatever. <laughs> but it, it really is an awesome, vibrant town with a lot of cultural diversity. And it's a city. Actually, Baltimore is even more of a sea change from DC. If you're coming from where I grew up, like Mm -hmm. it's more of a shock to the system, not in a bad way, but Mm -hmm. you learn some street smarts, just living in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, even compared to the part of DC wit is in, have you, have you been to DC itself? Yes. I haven't been to wit. I haven't seen any of the uh, comedy. Okay. But uh, if you've been to Northwest DC, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is pretty well off. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, there's a bit of, segregation i'm not gonna bullshit you um Mm -hmm. but the thing i liked about and i don't know what this person's deal was but on the night of the jam after the show it was a it was a it was a show followed by where herald team performers would jam with anyone uh anyone from the audience and it was awesome and someone i don't know if he was homeless or not but Someone seemingly maybe from a rougher background uh, played in, probably had no improv experience and made some, made some big choices. <laughs> and what I liked was the more experienced improvisers that were there, like fucking loved it. They just mm-hmm. wanted to support this person. And I thought that was really cool because that taught me like, if you're at that really good level, you can kind of, you kind of want to play with more danger and like, yeah, or a little looser in in general and yeah. can handle, can handle a degree of crazy. And so that, that you said that blew your mind uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And did that, so that was what most, I just, that just started me coming back and starting to take classes. Wow. That's very, that my parents paid for it for a while. Yeah. I'm a late bloomer in the, Adulting department. <laughs> oh, wow. I graduated oh, wow. college at 27. I'm 34 now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm behind. I find that very interesting that 
you know, someone who wasn't, I mean, well, both people, there were people who were involved with the theater and someone who was not a member of the theater uh, is what inspired you uh, to take classes, to start to start that journey. That's really cool. And you mentioned in, in an interview that I looked up that uh, you feel that improv can bring people together, and that's a perfect example of that. Wow, you did your research. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try. Yeah, I definitely think it can. I mean, I do think if you're like a total asshole, improv's not for you, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to say that everyone can be good no matter what. It takes a certain amount of acceptance and mm-hmm. ability to listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can learn listening, but you need to be accepting of other people's ideas that come from different perspectives, yes. for sure. Yeah, I think it's more about positive personality traits than it is about being naturally funny. Because I, I think I started off very naturally funny, and I don't think that necessarily made me a great improviser. I think learning the actual craft and growing as a human being helped me uh, get solid. That's beautiful. I've heard uh, there was some thing that uh, uh, someone shared uh, online that was saying uh, traits of a good improviser, and there were things like listening and acceptance and being a team player, and the, and they mentioned a few others, and they then they said these are also the traits of being a good person. Yeah, mostly. So I think there are a couple people that can compartmentalize and be total assholes and still be Absolutely. good at it. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And there are a ton of assholes who are uh, rich and famous now, uh, <laughs> thanks to improv, thanks to their uh, coming up through improv. But sure, you know, yeah. So it, it, I think the point was try to have these traits, whether you're on stage or off stage, try to have these traits because these are, these are traits of a, of a good person as well as a good improviser. And I'm... I struggled with personality stuff when I was starting. Like I had to get disciplined in my second class for playing like an asshole. Supposedly I was bringing my offstage issues into scenes. Mm. And like my teacher was honest to me about that. Her name is Melanie Gart. And I always like thank her all the time because it like stopped me from no matter how I was feeling offstage to just be a good person i wasn't like a month total monster but i was unintentionally being difficult and mm. like just denying or or steamrolling it was i think steamrolling and endowing him endowing in a shitty way oh okay but um it was a mix of things i was going through stuff at the time and i think that was part of it but um but in my early improv journey um like for example i had to I didn't pass on in a class because uh, I was struggling with certain things. And then I took the class again under a different teacher. And it was hugely beneficial to me. At the time, it hurt. Because <laughs> when I obsessed with something, I hyper-obsessed. To, to like hyper-obsessed with something and in a way fail at something or feel like you fail at something is tough. But ultimately, the, ultimately in the long run, it helps me. and like. The teacher that failed me, I used her as a coach later on because, like, well, she's not going to bullshit me. How did you cope through that when you, when, because it is, it's, I think, very common if somebody is wanting to be really good at something, it could be any skill. If they, uh, they love it, they're, 
they're super passionate about it, but then they're either struggling to do it well or having a failure that is hard to cope with. How did you work through that so that you could continue to do this thing you loved? Because a lot of people give up. Yeah. I started studying different perspectives to help me with my weak points to see if it would help. In addition, and I just committed more to learning more about it. And I was like, okay, maybe I have to work a little harder than some people, but fuck it. Interesting. What sort of things were you, what other perspectives were you taking? Um, like, I took some classes in another theater called Dojo Comedy. And it, at the time, for the way my brain worked, unlocked my ability to activate character deals and game in a way that I didn't have before from playing different perspectives, I guess. Mm-hmm. And knowing why I'm doing something and what will I do about this thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So making an active choice. Um, And in addition to retaking the class with a, first of all, when you take classes at WIT, like even though there is a general curriculum, teachers often improvise off of it to a degree. Mm -hmm. So you could have the same level with one teacher and have a different teacher and uh, it could be rather different. Just a different approach. Right. So I, I retook the class with the education, with the um, general manager of the company, the creative director, I guess, Mark Chalfant. Do you know that name? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. He runs with. Oh, okay. Then Um, I've probably heard it and, yeah, I did see that we have some mutual DC expats slash DC yeah. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know Thomas. At a festival. You know Thomas Dostry, who's like mm-hmm. a sweetheart. Yeah. I met a bunch of people at a festival that was in North Carolina who were people from DC, from the DC area. And I, I've probably met some at a couple of other festivals too. Yeah, you know Jordana and Macy. Right. And I met them at the festival in, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, Do you know Xavier? He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's up here. Uh, yeah, I know, uh, he's, he's my Herald teacher. Oh, that's dope, he is wonderful. He uh, he coached my indie team for a bit. And we love oh, him, God. He's, a, he's a good friend. Yeah, he wants me to lead a workshop at his theater that he's starting up slowly. I think they're figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume it would be virtual, but maybe not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring out a lot of how to move forward. You have bounced around uh, in a great way, not in a bad way. Uh, a, a bunch of theaters there. I mean, there's Wit you mentioned. There's Big. Uh, you mentioned Dojo Comedy. Uh, and now you're at Bird City. But you still perform at various places now, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm technically still a big house team performer. That theater is just figuring out how to keep... The people, there was a bit of a rift, as you, I'm sure some people know. Um, but some things, yeah. long story short, Big is rebuilding to a degree. So mm-hmm. some people are gone. So the house team program will rebuild, I assume, and restructure. And I will be placed somewhere, but I have no idea where. I have no idea what night. I, I don't know. Uh, I plan on auditioning for Wit and trying to do that as well. Um, and... I'm sort of figuring out in addition. And I also um, recently talked about leading workshops at WIT. So hopefully I can do stuff for them. 
I don't know. Um, I do want to stay in this general region, but depending on where exactly in the area I get a job, I don't know if I'll be living in Baltimore or DC within the next year. Right now I'm in Baltimore. I like it a lot. I think I want to stay for now, but if I got hyper involved with wit, um, maybe I'd, and I got like a job there, then I would be open to moving to DC, assuming I could afford the rent. It's very high. <laughs> yes. Uh, Baltimore's but, a lot cheaper. Yeah. But you know, all great theaters that you're involved with there, that, that area of the country has a lot of great comedy going on. Um, yes. And there's a new one in Baltimore called high wire. That's virtual right now. And has been doing seven nights of shows a week. And, um, virtually and they're trying to become in person slowly mm -hmm. but it's really cool and there are a lot of big expats that mm -hmm. didn't like how things were so they started a new theater and they're great too and i hope to do stuff with them as much as i can but yeah like there are a, there is a lot going on so i haven't felt this big incentive i mean first of all i don't feel like i've accomplished enough here to move but uh i haven't felt yet this big incentive to go to New York, LA or Chicago. I expect yeah, one day yeah. I may, but everything's kind of restarting up in all these cities. So oh, it's not like, yeah. it's not like I have a particularly disadvantage here. Right. And, and honestly, being able to, to have access to the different theaters that you have there is, you know, well, there's not much more to, to gain. Yeah. It's cool that Baltimore and DC are relatively close to each other. Mm -hmm. And New York has a lot too, but True. yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, of course, a lot is changing here, and I just don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if UCB is going to come back, and I don't know what Squirrel's really going to look like. And, um, you know, and then there's also, like, the Tank doing, they have, they have shows that go on there, and um, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot outside of UCB, Magnet, and Pit. So, you know, there's... there's uh, is a great scene here too, but I just don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening really. So where I'm at, we're we're all figuring it out right now. It's an interesting place to be. Oh, this might be worth mentioning. I don't know if and how. I don't know when, but I'm in talks to do stuff for a London theater virtually called oh. the Nursery. Yeah, like uh, stuff like what? Uh, Tiang and eventual teaching. Awesome. And hypothetically, if I could perform virtually, that'd be cool. I don't know how, I don't know where they are with virtual versus in-person stuff. In-person would be rough because I live in a different country and <laughs> right. it's kind of a long drive <laughs> and an impossible drive too. Um, you get a big enough boat where you can just like drive yeah, I just need a boat. the whole way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the only way to make it work. Um, Are you on a team at Magnet, if I may ask? I am. Yeah, I'm on this. I'm on Sweetheart. Is that a is that a um, house team? Yeah, it's a. We call them uh, megawatt teams. Um, well, I mean, we call them house teams, but megawatt. There's musical megawatt on Tuesday nights and megawatt on Wednesday nights, and um, those are the house teams, uh, the musical and and non musical house teams. And um, oh, cool. We've, uh, been on it i mean this last year has made it hard to remember the actual amount of time but it's been a couple years it's been like two two and a half years maybe i don't know yeah, i'm going to a musical improv jam tomorrow yeah i am very excited musical improv is amazing 
It really is something because it's it's all the fun that improv has, and and then there's this extra surprise of how they musically figure things out. Uh, yeah, have you heard of Travis Plager and iMusical? I don't think so. Oh, iMusical is like the premier musical improv troupe at both Wit and I would say in DC. Oh, I have seen area. that written, but I don't. Know I took both it. of his classes, level one, and I auditioned and got into level two, and it was like one of the most fun and educational improv experiences I've ever had. That's uh, I'm a little out of musical practice because it is a certain song form that I need to like mm-hmm. re get in my brain again but yeah i um, hope it will come back naturally tomorrow but i don't actually know yeah you, first course you, first <laughs> you mentioned that uh you're getting into teaching and things that you were trying to express to your students what are some of the improv principles that you like to highlight to them the most so my class is basically an advanced two-person scene class Okay. So really listening and supporting each other and being on the same page as major, but also if you're pulling from something like a monologue or material of any sort, play with some degree of danger and uh, abandon and sort of don't always make the most obvious choice. Mm. I mean, sometimes an obvious choice can be great depending on what you're pulling, but Right. It's okay to go from a from a tangent that that really makes you have a thought. <laughs> um, and also try to stay in the present and don't talk too much about the past or the future, which is like hard for everyone. Like normally when I'm playing and that happens, I'll be like, let's just do that because otherwise we're just talking about stuff, which <laughs> then people will just want to see what you're talking about. Yes. I've only done the first three classes, so I'm still like figuring out what my style of teaching is, Mm. what my uh, philosophy is. I think it's pretty wide ranging. Yeah. But um, it's a, I'm kind of diving in the deep end because I'm learning virtual teaching through Zoom and I'm teaching people from all over the world. So, one note I got of constructive feedback from Tavish this past week was I get a little too jargony. And I use too much jargon that's from DC and Baltimore area, which doesn't always translate. So I'm learning to try to talk more universally about things so they're understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really helpful piece of feedback. In a way, when I start teaching in DC and Baltimore and uh, in person, using their jargon will be okay. But if I'm doing virtual with people around the world, it helps right. to be accessible. Right. Right, that makes sense. That's very cool. It's a, a cool place to be in your improv journey and your teaching journey. What made you want to start teaching? A lot of stuff. Uh, for one, improv has benefited me so much in my mental and even physical and all forms of health and is my number one passion. So I wanted to give back to a community, but also partially. I think it's a skill I've developed. I think improv is a skill I've developed by working really hard on. And I wanted to give, I wanted to contribute to it in a way mm-hmm. and help facilitate it for other people. Um, and 
it's essentially making money off of teaching people how to play like children <laughs> in a yeah. sense. So that's yeah. kind of a cool idea. And I um I'm also naturally better at creative stuff. So I think it's a better fit for me than like, I mean, I don't know what my job job will be. I don't know how my, what or how I will make full-time money in three to six months from now, but I hope teaching is a part of it. If it's all of it, great. We'll see. I just don't, I can't predict. Um, I think in some ways I have certain issues that make it hard for me to do stuff that requires a lot of executive functioning skills. So naturally, I mean, that's not to say there is none in teaching. There is some, but it's applied towards something that I'm deeply familiar with. So it helps my, I mean, it's kind of what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of options, so I got to do something. <laughs> right, I hear you. We were talking earlier about how you, your perspective um, being as being someone on the spectrum <laughs> relates to your improv. And, you know, we're hearing a lot now about the importance of in inclusion. Yes. And that conversation has gotten better because now people are starting to include people yeah. beyond uh, just talk of race. Or I'm going to be blunt with you, though. I think it's um, I think it's I think it's getting better recently. And I think it has a long way to go with neurodiversity. Exactly. Unfortunately. And that's what I was going to get at with how uh, when you're teaching and you're trying to help guide people, uh, some of that is going to be at some time if somebody says something that's um, uh, exclusionary. Oh, yeah. How does your perspective play into guiding others about being inclusive? Well, I mean, and you kind of I have, touched on it with how much yes, more there has to go when it comes to. I have not confronted having because I've only been teaching for a short time. I've, I haven't confronted every possible scenario. Right. So I haven't. I have had to discipline a student uh, for breaking a rule of, or for kind of doing something that was not okay in class, which is a walk on in a two person scene class. But mm -hmm. that wasn't. They weren't being hateful or anything right. like that. So I haven't. I have not. Thankfully, had to deal with saying hey that's not okay to say that uh when i do i'll know <laughs> i don't really know how i'll deal with that yet because i haven't confronted it i may not deal with it as well as i would like because it's something i haven't right. had to right. do yet right right i need to build oh, reps in teaching still i mean for sure yeah i get that um yeah i mean you, you mentioned neurodiversity what what are your thoughts on the neurodiversity movement um, for improv, I, I am, and I've been trying to push this in DC. There's been panels that I've helped, uh, contributed to it. I think if you're going to cast diversity wise, you should consider neurological differences. If people are open about those, obviously you shouldn't force people to reveal, but if people right. have, are on the spectrum or have something else that makes their brain work differently, how is that not diversity? It's. It's literally thinking differently than other people. And that's not to say it'll always be great, but it is diversity just, in my opinion, just as much as any other type of diversity. And I realize it's kind of a hot thing to say because it's not a contest. There's all different types of diversity. Right. And I will say that when I was starting out, I definitely got more stigmatized in DC. 
And now I'm fine. I feel good where I am. But that's because I've had to work through things. And I've also had to get good. Uh, eventually, if you're on the spectrum, in my opinion, or you're doing improv, you have to you have to be really good to um, to kind of compensate for whatever social skills you have issues with. Uh, right. In general. Um, mm-hmm. I do find that things are much better now than they were five seven years ago mm-hmm. and that's not just say that there aren't there isn't anything i've done wrong there there absolutely has been and there's stuff i need to work on to accommodate other people mm-hmm. uh, but as a whole that's a belief i have that few theaters are truly implementing but i do think that some are sort of keeping it in the back of their mind i think that's a big improvement mm-hmm. when i when i was cast at big um baltimore improv group in early 2018 that changed my improv life for the better and even though they have other they have other big issues uh if i'm not gonna lie (laughs) big was at the time with the withers very inclusive regarding neurodiversity not as much in a way where they were consciously thinking of doing it Mm -hmm. but in a way where they wouldn't not cast someone if they had a difference that maybe some people didn't vibe with uh and in DC, that was harder to come by. I think stuff is generally getting better. I mean, I don't think I'd be considered to eventually teach it wit if it wasn't, because that's facilitating for other people. So right. that feels good. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that get discouraged from doing improv that are on the spectrum or of other neurological issues. And I'll be honest, my experience is more on the spectrum. I have some other stuff, but that's what I know most from being stigmatized about. Uh, I cannot as much speak to other stuff because that's my like highlight. Yeah. I'm on the, uh, I'm on the autism spectrum. I do executive functioning and bipolar stuff too, but it's not the mm-hmm. starring show. Uh, yeah, I get you. yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like, I think for like diversity scholarships, if someone possibly has a mental health or difference, they should, they should always be able to get scholarships because it could affect income because generally it's easier to find steady work if you're, I mean, as a whole, if you're neurotypical. Uh-huh. Those are my main opinions about diversity. And I think some theaters are getting better about it. Yeah. Uh, Big was very good to me about that for a while. And I appreciate that. Uh-huh. I'd like to see more theaters doing that. I mean, I will say that sometimes it's just an issue of like theaters are struggling right now and it's hard to give anyone a scholarship. And that's sure, a little, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But I if you have the means to. Right. Oh, yes. And and being open to different types of groups that don't have a voice. I mean, that is, when people talk about diversity and inclusion, the primary thing is, it's not just somebody being there and then that's it. It's that they can share their perspective there. And so any perspective should really be a part of diversity and also it's not just good to have students taking classes that are disabled Mm -hmm. but have performers on stage on house and herald teams or whatever special project that have different perspectives Mm -hmm. because they bring something unique exactly exactly and i realize it could sound sour grapes because of my own shit but I genuinely believe that in general, that if you have different brain wiring, you have difference. I mean, right. I will say that 
some good things about my um about my disability and affecting improv they do exist i've had difficulties in the past um but one thing that i'm good at is cutting through the shit in a scene oh and like something needs to happen or like things aren't moving or something is being coy i'll just fucking say it and i think that's something i bring that's unique because i'm not going to dance around something and, and part of that is yeah. i've grown in confidence but i do think that's possibly related to my autism is i'm blunt mm-hmm. uh and direct it's not good in every aspect of life <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, this has been a beautiful talk. We are now at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. To, uh, create something together. I'll do improv with you. That's all I got. Well, let's do it. Uh, let's do like a three-minute scene. What's something that can inspire this scene? A word or a location is fine. Yeah. If you have one. Yeah. I'm bad at coming up with them. Mine are all food, always. <laughs> food gonna, and warmth. And that's gonna, it. And I'm, those I'm aren't open good. Up, uh, There's a site called Can Google I Get Google. A... I yeah, I've used it, um, but I, doesn't always I help. It. But I appreciate the effort. Uh, how about a tropical storm? Okay, okay. Man, it's a wet one, ah. Huh? <laughs> I'm all wet. Uh, this feels awful. Uh, we gotta go inside. Yeah, we do. But you know, I know that there's a bad storm coming, and I know. All the alerts are saying, seek being inside. Uh, I get that. But isn't it more fun to be out here? (laughs) No, I really like being inside and, you know, being in a warm place, not getting wet all the time, uh, personally. But look, I know we're, I know we're dating and you have your preferences and like, (sighs) Let's have an adventure. No, I, I like adventures. Like if we were inside a car driving with the windshield wipers on, that's nice. Right. Did, or in a coffee you, shop. You did uh, go tornado chasing with me, which I appreciate. And it was your yeah. car and it got very damaged and I'm still going to pay that off. Don't worry. You better. But look, there's nothing to get damaged here. We're just outside. It's... <laughs> pouring down rain uh it's not gonna stop there's gonna be flooding and isn't that like part of it look i just don't find this very romantic i just why don't we go into a restaurant and eat something i mean they're they they closed that's true we could go to our house and eat something all right but okay let's 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 meet in the middle let's make this romantic um, we could, we could make a fire. Nope. Cause of the flooding. Um, there's a lot of things we can't do right now. Right. Right. I'm wrecking my brain here and how to make also my phone is soaking wet. I think my phone is done. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I lost my shoes back there, <laughs> but we're, that's it. We're walking barefoot. Isn't that. Isn't that romantic? You know, if it was not raining and we were prancing together through a field, maybe that would be. Okay. I can't stop the rain, but maybe we can find a field to prance in. You know, if you weren't so fucking hot, I wouldn't want to do that. 
I've been told before. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, yes. You know, this just reminds me of, of college. Mm. Cause I'm, you you know, Prince? I'm, no, no, the storm. I'm, oh. uh, I'm from Florida, and there's a lot of storm. A lot of, we get, it's hurricane season, you know, uh, just about all the time uh, in the Gulf. And I, you know, I love it. I love it. That's, I think that's why I'm so into this. And I just appreciate you taking the time to engage. This kind of reminds me of the time it flooded in Maryland and uh, my car kind of moved away from the house because it was like being lifted up by the water. Oh, wow. Is that the one that got damaged in the tornado? Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's not a good memory. Oh. Oh, there's some food floating here. Do you do you want to just eat that? It looks like someone was having a picnic. God, you're so hot. Fine. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sorry, I have like no energy. <laughs> no, man, it's it's Zoom prop. <laughs> We're not supposed to have energy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Very glad to have him. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And be sure to catch David at Baltimore Improv Group or High Wire, Washington Improv Theater, or Bird City. And he also will be doing some virtual shows, so check those out. If you happen to see his name on something, be sure to check that out. And we'll have some ads for those theaters in the description. And also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And our YouTube at There It Is. Also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 